0: The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.
1: Sergeant, the lone setback. He'll go with the two tight ends again. And grind it. Sergeant, breaking tackles inside the 15. Shoved out after a run of 21 yards. Iowa has now rushed for 91 yards today. Got another first down here. Sergeant. at the middle. And to tackle to get into score. 14-yard touchdown run after the onside kick and the penalty set the Hawkeyes up. Iowa rams at home. 26-13, Iowa with 2.16 to go.
0: Hello everyone, this is John Patchett and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. This is our new Reporters Notebook podcast featuring Steve Batterson who previews this week's Iowa Northwestern game and also reflects on the Hawks homecoming win over Purdue. Plus we have Bonencamp's big breakdown, John Bonencamp's weekly look at Big Ten football. And you'll hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Northwestern's Pat Fitzgerald. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include sports reporters Scott Doctorman of The Athletic and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times, along with award-winning sports writer John Bonencamp. The Iowa-Purdue game highlights are courtesy of ESPN2 with announcers Beth Moens and Anthony Beck. We appreciate it and thank them.
1: For Keith Duncan, three field goals and looking for a fourth right here as the drive stalls at the twenty. This a thirty-eight yard attempt, and now they will switch it up.
2: You better make this after all that.
1: They'll go back down, and and the thirty-eight yard kick is good. Fourth of the day for Duncan, and a nineteen to seven lead.
3: How many things have you touched today?
4: Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs>
3: How many places have your hands been?
4: Ooh, a keyboard.
3: 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings. Moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything.
2: Yeah, with toilet.
3: Prefens, keep your hands germ-free all day.
0: The Iowa Hawkeyes traveled to Evanston this Saturday to play Big Ten West Foe Northwestern. Iowa sits at five and two overall and two and two in conference play. The Hawkeyes are ranked nineteenth in the coaches poll and twentieth in the AP poll. Northwestern has been struggling this season and is just one and five overall, and it's winless in the Big Ten at zero oh and four. The Wildcats lone win was over UNLV in the second game of the year. They've lost to Stanford. Michigan State, Wisconsin, Nebraska, and Ohio State. It's another big game for the Hawkeyes who need to win out to have a chance to secure another Big Ten West division title, and they do have that chance following Wisconsin's loss at Illinois last weekend, plus the fact that the Badgers have to play Ohio State at Columbus this Saturday. Northwestern comes into Saturday's contest with a three-game win streak over Iowa by a combined total of 18 points. Two of those three games were losses at Kinnick Stadium, and all were decided by one score. But the Hawkeyes lead the series overall 50-27-3, and three, and they're 24-16-3 and three all-time in games played in Evanston. Iowa won 21 straight games in this series over the Wildcats prior to a 31-20 Northwestern win in 1995, and since then Northwestern holds a 13-9 advantage in the series. Last year's 14-10 Northwestern win in Iowa City allowed the Wildcats to clinch their first ever Big Ten West division title. If Northwestern can pull the upset this Saturday, it would mark its first four-game win streak over the Hawkeyes since 1926 to 1932 and only its second ever. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz is the dean of college football coaches and in his 21st season as head man of the Hawkeyes with a record of 157 and 103. Kirk's record against Northwestern is just 8-10, and, and his record all-time on the road is underwater at 51-54. and 54. Northwestern head coach Pat Fitzgerald is the second longest tenured coach in the Big Ten. He's been at the home for 14 years at Northwestern. His record during that time is 97-75. Fitzgerald's record against Iowa is 8-5, and, and in home games played in Evanston, he has 52 wins against 39 losses. In game notes, Iowa's defense continues to rank as one of the best in the nation. The Hawkeyes are 5th in scoring D, 11.6 points per game, 8th in rushing D, 91.1 yards per game. They are 10th in total defense, surrendering 275 yards per game. The 11.6 points per game allowed by Iowa's defense is the lowest average in the Ferrance era and also the lowest of any Hawkeyes team since 1965. Iowa has allowed opponents a measly 98 first downs. That's an average of 14 per game. That's the sixth fewest in the country and second lowest in the Big Ten. Northwestern has been okay on defense this year, but awful on offense. The Wildcats average just 12.5 points per game. That's 128th nationally out of 130 FBS teams. NU averages a meager 124 yards passing per game, 126th in the nation, last in the Big Ten, and 153.2 yards rushing per game. That's 84th in the country. Northwestern has outgained Iowa on the ground the last three years during its winning streak, 529 yards to just 232 in that period of time for the Hawkeyes. In-depth chart notes, Iowa will play this game without starting wide receiver Brandon Smith and starting middle linebacker Christian Welch. Both significant losses for the Hawkeyes. Smith, who has become a key cog in Iowa's passing offense, is expected to miss up to five weeks after suffering a lower leg injury in the Purdue game. Northwestern has starting running back Isaiah Bowser playing again for the second straight week after he was limited earlier due to injury. Bowser gashed Iowa last year, rushing for 165 yards on 31 carries. In tidbits and nuggets, given their struggles this season, it's easy to forget that the Wildcats are the defending Big Ten West division champions. This Northwestern's homecoming game, and among other things, it will be honoring its 2010 Outback Bowl team. The Wildcats' defensive coordinator is Mike Hankwitz. Last Saturday, it was his 565th game as a college football coach. That's more than any active head or assistant coach in college football. This game will be televised on ESPN2 with announcers Ray Philpot and Kelly Stouffer. It will be broadcast on the Hawkeye Radio Network with Gary Dolphin, Ed Podolak, and Rob Brooks, and it will also be on satellite radio, XM, and Sirius channels 81.
2: I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal.
4: This was not open. It was a freshman mistake by Plummer, trying to put this ball in the hole. Safety's gonna fly across. He's gonna be in the spot, and he underthrows the football. The cornerback pick it up. That's Moss there, just tracking the football. It's almost as if he threw it to him. Athletic play, getting up to get it. And that's a huge turnover by Iowa.
0: That music means Bonencamp's big breakdown is next. You can follow John Bonencamp on Twitter at John Bonencamp, and you can read John's articles on Sports Illustrated's Hawkeye Maven at si.com forward slash college forward slash Iowa. John calls in next to talk Big Ten football, week nine in the 2019 season. John, as we head into week nine and Big Ten conference play, it's week eight for the Hawkeyes. Three of the nation's ten remaining undefeated FBS teams are from the Big Ten. Ohio State and Penn State's not surprising. As we talked the last couple of weeks, Minnesota continues to surprise. And the Gophers, Ohio State, Penn State, and Wisconsin have all already secured bowl eligibility. This weekend, if they win, Indiana, Michigan, and of course the Hawkeyes can do the same. Now, looking at last week's results quickly before we get into the week nine discussion. Minnesota won its ninth straight game last Saturday. That ties for the school's longest winning streak since an 18-game run from 1939 to 1942. They did it against Rutgers, which was, uh, you know, probably a lot easier than uh, the week before when they pounded (laughs) Nebraska. Just when you thought things were becoming clearer, crystallizing, especially in the West, uh, a little bit, they became really cloudy last week when Illinois kicked a last-second 39-yard field goal to defeat Wisconsin. What a stunner.
3: Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, we were walking by the, the tunnel there at, uh, at at Kinnick Stadium, and uh, we were walking by the Iowa locker room, and somebody was watching it on TV, and you could, you know, you knew what game they were watching, and then you could hear what happened, and you were like, oh, really? Illinois just beat Wisconsin. So, um, you know, it was, it was fascinating. It was kind of a fascinating end to that day. You know, here's Iowa winning and kind of getting back, you know, keep themselves above water, and then all of a sudden the Wisconsin loss happens, and now the the division's in a big mess at this point.
0: Turned out to be a pretty good game. Close to the end, Penn State got by Michigan 28 to 21, and of course of primary interest to Iowa, heading into this weekend's game, Ohio State just uh, decimated Northwestern 52 to three. So let's turn to this week. We have halfway point in the conference play. Ohio State and Penn State are atop the East. We just talked about what's going on here in the West, where Minnesota now leads, but interesting. Interestingly enough, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Iowa pretty much all control their own outcomes assuming that they win out. And, you know, you'd have to think and we'll talk about it in a minute that Wisconsin's got a tough road to hoe at Ohio State this week. And in fact, let's go right to that game because that's an 11 a.m. kick on Fox.
3: Yeah, it was uh, and actually what's really interesting is Ohio State's a double-digit favorite in that game. You know, and this was a Wisconsin team that that was was not only, you know, I mean, it was kind of like on the the edge of the playoff talk and you know a favorite of the las vegas people you know in the way the lines have been you know, the last couple weeks and now all of a sudden this game's at ohio state and they're and they're a, and they're a 14 point underdog uh over under it at 49 and a half it's you know, so really an interesting line i mean i guess i guess that lost illinois kind of kind of took um you know some of the shine off the badgers at this point so let's see what you know they can do this weekend but i mean ohio state's such a big favorite and, I, and it is at home i understand that but you know i here to Wisconsin. They were 31-point favorite at Illinois last week. Now, all of a sudden, after that loss, they go to Iowa State and they're in a 14-point underdog.
0: I don't want to surprise you here, but if you had to pick a score in that <laughs> game, what what would you be leaning towards given Wisconsin's defense and Ohio State's almost ridiculously prolific offense?
3: Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're looking at, I mean, I'm thinking that this is going to be, I don't, I don't think Ohio State, you know, hangs 52 on them. Like, you know, they've been doing, you know, I don't think you're going to have that kind of score. But I can see Ohio Ohio State getting you know 28 35 points I think what what the what the odds makers are saying here is that they don't think Wisconsin can really score much against them so you know or be able to run the ball so I mean I I think that's why I, I'm looking I would think it would be like maybe a 35 20 game something like that I mean because I think Ohio State the way their offense is right now I I mean this will be probably their best the best defensive test they're going to see but you know it, it is it is interesting like I said I think it's going to probably be around a 35 20 game something like that
0: Point looking ahead assuming they don't stumble that ohio state penn state game will probably not only be for the big 10 east championship but that could be one of the best football games of the season
3: oh yeah and i mean and i mean and really when you think about it that the winner of that one i mean obviously gets the the east division title i would you know and and is in the playoff hunt at that point because i think you know penn state's kind of gotten themselves on the edge of it ohio State's just been so good this year but you know really interesting you, when you talk about the, the the race in the west division it's like like, you know, Wisconsin and Minnesota still play, but that game's at Minnesota. Minnesota has to play Penn State too, but that game's at Minnesota. And then, you know, you've got Iowa playing both teams. It's going to be really interesting. The next three weeks, I think, really kind of shake this out.
0: Okay, next, another 11 a.m. kickoff on BTN, Illinois at Purdue, also an all-West division game.
3: Another line that I found really intriguing, I mean, here's Illinois coming off that big win at home from Wisconsin. Here's Purdue coming off the loss at, at Iowa, and Purdue is a nine and a half point favorite, you know, and in the over under 60 and a half. I that's that's a lot of points. I mean, I, I think they realize that Purdue's not very good defensively, Illinois's not very good defensively. Illinois Illinois's offense has put up some big points this year. So, you know, again, that was kind of an intriguing line for me. Um, you know, just because like I said, both of them had different outcomes last week, and, and one pulls off a big upset, and then they go on the road, and it's not really that difficult of a road trip. It's just right down the right down the highway from Shannon campaign basically and they're nine and a half point underdogs i found that really interesting
0: okay my favorite big 10 game of the weekend <laughs> You know what's coming. Is oh, there a, yeah. and my favorite question of the week? Is there a line? Liberty at Rutgers. Do the Scarlet Knights pick up their second win of the season?
3: There is no line from what I've seen, but I did see somebody point tweet out that somebody has a line where Liberty's a seven point favorite. Which, if that's true, this might be one of the saddest Big Ten football game football teams ever to play in the league. I mean, this team is just awful at this point. And if you're an underdog at home to an FCS team there's there's you have a and especially that much of an underdog you have a lot of problems
0: okay 230 kickoff Penn State at Michigan State the Spartans haven't been their usual really good selves this season but it's in East Lansing what happens in that one what are the numbers telling you
3: Penn State six and a half point favorites on the road which I I think is a a sign of, of respect for what they can do offensively the over under is only 44 which I think I think you're I think they're looking at that as being like you know Maybe a 26-20, you know, somewhere around that number. You know, and so I mean they're they're looking at it being a fairly close game and a fairly low scoring game, which I find interesting, but you know, that's that's a really low over-under number. That's I mean, that's saying that they don't think there's gonna be a lot of points scored in this game.
0: Also a 230 kickoff. Maryland at undefeated Minnesota on ESPN. The Terps lost last week to Indiana 34 to 28. So what are the numbers saying this week?
3: Minnesota 16 and a half point favorite uh, over under 15 and 57 and a half Minnesota I know everybody kind of mocks who they've played so far but you know what they're taking care of business and it's kind of like that Iowa team in 2015 you know you 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 beat the teams that are in front of you and they've done that and so I think this is one of those games I think they put up a lot of points and I think they win this one comfortably you know they've got some tests ahead and this is one they can't really stumble with weather's supposed to be nice 55 degrees sunny up there Minnesota they should they should have a big win in this one, I would think
0: okay Nebraska is coming off an undefeated weekend last week was their bye week <laughs> and they're hosting Indiana and I've heard that a lot of people like the Hoosiers in this one 230 kick, BTN
3: they're they the the huskers are not a favorite at home to Indiana think about that I mean granted Indiana's a one- point favorite essentially that game's a pick 'em. but um I find that really interesting that that Indiana's favored like that over under 52 and a half I think probably that's going to be an over game I think both teams score a lot of points in that one
0: and a 6:30 kickoff big game for the big 10 respectability here and really also for jim harbaugh's wolverines at michigan notre dame abc
3: pick them that's a game that's an even The line is even in that one uh, i've seen some lines that have michigan you know as a one point favorite uh over under a 51 that's saying that, that this will probably be a game and both of them will be in the 20s low 30s somewhere around there i mean this is a key game for michigan i mean if they if they lose this one you're looking at them going you know Know, maybe eight and four this season you know i mean because that puts them at five and three and you still got to play ohio state yet so i mean for as much hope as there was with this michigan team to be eight and four seven and five when this is all over with i think puts a lot of heat on the head coach there uh that's a night game 54 degrees rainy it's supposed to be so it'll be kind of interesting to see how that plays out I, I like i said i it's a it's a crucial game for michigan and and, and it's a toss-up at this point okay
0: i forgot to mention at this at the top here that john's numbers come from the Points Bet Sportsbook at Catfish Bend Casino in Burlington, and now to the 11 a.m. kickoff that most of the people in this area care about, the Hawkeyes coming off their win over Purdue at Kinnick last weekend at Northwestern. It's the Wildcats homecoming, and boy, have they struggled this season. Only one win so far.
3: Oh, yeah, and that game Friday night was a disaster, and I mean, Ohio State just got on them early and, and, and just kept the foot on the gas in that one. Uh, they get you know, they get three- points against the Ohio State team and that that's you know not a good sign. Interesting line in every you know, the interesting line in this one Iowa's a 10 point favorite they started the week nine but what's the the over under is the one that I found fascinating. It's only 37 and a half. So that's saying that that, that that Vegas is thinking this is going to be like a 20 to 10 game or tw- you know something like that. You know, I I you know and, and actually when 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 I give you my picks that's probably going to be somewhere around the score. You know, so like I said I think this is a low scoring game. Weather's supposed to be nice. That's not going to be a factor. I I think Iowa, you know, if 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 Northwestern can run the ball against Iowa, I think it because I think the Hawkeyes are going to have a challenge under him. But they can stop Northwestern's run. I think they they get a they get a double digit win in this game and probably cover. But like I said, very low over under. That's Vegas saying they don't think this is going to be a high scoring game.
0: Game's on ESPN two, and at least unlike last week, Iowa and Northwestern fans won't uh, be dealing with the announcing crew. That's the bottom of the barrel for the ESPN family <laughs> of networks dog with a bone what what you thinking the score is going to be in that
3: i i'm going to go i was i, I was going to go i'm going to go iowa 21 to 13 um, I don't think they cover in this one because I think that's a pretty big line. But but I, I think they get just enough points to win. I think Northwestern maybe gets a touchdown late. I think Iowa stays in control, but I'm going to go with them 21-13.
0: So the Wildcats, just so people know, are averaging 12.5 points per game. So you're giving them an extra I'm half gonna, point. Yeah, I'm
3: going to give them that half point, yeah. So late touchdown, yeah. So
0: 128th out of 130 FBS teams <laughs> in offense.
3: Yeah, so, so yeah, if, they, if they run the ball like they have against Iowa in the past, it might be an interesting. interesting. Interesting game, but but I think the Hawkeyes get out of there with a win. Fellas, leave the tight pads to the ladies. If I can count the coins in your pocket, you better use them to call a tailor. Stay thirsty, my friends.
1: Goodson behind Ross Touchdown. First rushing touchdown for the true freshman Tyler Goodson.
4: Wait for a cannon or some fireworks, something to alert us that <laughs> Iowa finally
1: scored goodbye. a touchdown. The crowd got really excited. Goodson helping out on the ground on that nine play drive to cover 72 yards. They got the ball off the interception, and they scored 16 7 Hawkeyes.
0: Let's hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who discusses the challenges Northwestern presents for his Hawkeyes despite the Wildcats' record thus far this season
2: we're uh, getting ready to go on the road and play a really tough opponent in Northwestern. And, uh, you know, a couple things about it, you know, you expect every conference game to be tough. Certainly go on the road adds to the challenge, so that's part of it. Uh, But the bigger part really is we have uh, the utmost respect for Northwestern, the program that uh, that they have, and I think for good reason. You know, since uh, Pat took over in 2006, I guess it was, you know, he and his staff have really done a great job. And I think, you know, a couple things that really jump out, you look back, you know, they went through a a period in the 90s, I miss that, uh, when Pat was a player there. Then certainly uh, both of us were were struggling in 99 and they broke through in 2000, had just a a tremendous year, and uh, were co-champs in the Big Ten. And and then, uh, you look, since Pat's taken over, they've just done, I think, a really, really nice job. And the bottom line is they've got an identity, and I think that's a byproduct of their stability in the program. Uh, Not only has Coach Fitzgerald been there, but they've had a lot of stability with their staff, so they, they clearly know who they are, what they are, what they're trying to be, and I think as you look at them over the years, the jersey's change, names change, but uh, anytime you play them, you're going to play a really tough uh, well-coached uh, team that's going to play hard, they're going to be sound, and they're going to be really competitive and uh, we've certainly seen that every time we've played them. So uh, we know it's going to be you know, the same kind of challenge for us this week. Uh, it's interesting, you look back really probably since 2015, they've played as well as anybody and had as much uh, success as anybody on the west side uh, if not more. So uh, it's, it's a credit to their program. Uh, we know it's going to be a big challenge and uh, we're getting ready for it right now.
0: Ferrance was asked about Northwestern's defense, which, by and large, continues to be tough to play against despite the Wildcats' offensive woes.
2: First of all, about the circumstance, just, you know, I don't have a memory like an elephant. Coach Fry did, but that was one of his sayings. But um, it feels a lot like 16 to me. You know, I remember this guy was falling for them offensively, and I think they put 38 on us. So, uh, you know, hopefully nobody's falling for that one in our camp. Uh, But, but, you know, a stat I'll throw at you, I think – I can't remember the exact yards. It was like 250 to 245 or something like that. But they they, they, they have more yards than Wisconsin. And the uh, point is, like if you watch that film, you'll, you'll see how they play. They've been playing really good defense. And those two linebackers inside are really good players. They've got a gr- good front. You know, those guys play hard. And they're really well coached and do a great job. And uh, they're very optimistic in the back end. So they, they make it hard for you to score points. They've done a really good job that way.
0: Ference was asked whether his offensive linemen have each other's backs, especially after their back-to-back struggles facing Michigan and Penn State.
2: Yeah, hey, I, I hope they do. I hope our whole team does. You know, I think they, they do a good job of that. But you know, it's like any any position. But line lines a little bit. Um, it's it's the only position on a football team or group on a team that has five guys on the field at once. Uh, unless you count you know the secondary. If we're playing a sub package, you got five out there. But uh, so because of that, I think there's a little different camaraderie. It's a different group, if you will. And uh, the teamwork is so intricate. I've always kind of paralleled it to, to, to like coaching a basketball team. I suppose not that I would know anything about that. But you know, the teamwork, the the just. You know, getting along with each other, knowing each other's moves, all those kinds of things. So, yeah, it's certainly part of it. And then the other part of it is, you know, typically in any season, you're going to have ups and downs. You know, I've referenced that, like you know, when you get in those situations where you're down by 13 points with you know two minutes left, and they're just running downhill on you in the pass rush. It's just not much fun. You know, it's really a hard circumstance, and it's uh, it's one of those things, but. If you're a lineman, you're going to deal with that during during the season at some point. Uh, so my point there is like there's going to be ups and downs and just, you know, you just all have to, you just keep working. If you have a bad day or a bad series or whatever, you push through it and just move on to the next one, try to correct things and move on.
0: Ann Ferrance was asked how much video study will go into Northwestern's blowout loss last week to Ohio State versus maybe looking at the last two or three years of the Wildcats games versus
2: Iowa. There's a mix of it. You know, you always, you always look at, uh, especially teams that are and this has kind of been a strange year because we've played more teams that have like the same coaching staffs, uh, not only head coaches but the coordinators because it makes a big difference typically. So for whatever reason, we've had more games this year where last year's games were significant or maybe the last two years. So when you when you have those situations, certainly uh, you draw upon those things. You look and see how how they approach you and and they're doing the same thing to us. But also you have to look at this year because every team is a new team and every every team has a different personality. And then you start factoring injuries in or you know position changes things like that it's always you know there's always plenty of work to do and now we're further along
0: Next, we hear from Northwestern head coach Pat Fitzgerald, who
4: knows what it's like to play Iowa. We take on an, uh, another outstanding opponent, in the Iowa Hawkeyes. Coach Ferentz, obviously the dean of our coaching staff in the Big Ten and, and the longest tenured head coach in the country, the level of consistency, physicality, execution, success. Uh, you know, Coach Ferentz and his staff are the benchmark. They've got great players. They're uh, going to be a huge challenge for us. So we've got a ton of respect for the Hawkeyes. So we know what and how they're going to play. I mean, they're outstanding. Fitzgerald. T- about what his struggling team needs to do to
0: right the ship and prepare for the Iowa game.
4: Halfway through the season, looking at exactly where we're at and why we're at where we're at, and talking about the things we talk about keys to victory and in areas that we're not doing the things that winners do. One big area collectively as a team, obviously, is the turnover ratio, and that's something that we've been really good at here. It's been typically something that has been, um, you know, one of the hallmarks on why we have success, and obviously we're on the wrong end of that in a major way, and that's got to get fixed, and that's taking care of the ball and then taking the ball away. We're over the last two weeks uh, as a defense it's something that we stress daily and work daily and we're not going to stop doing that it's critically important that that gets flipped around in the back half of the season and then i use a little analogy you know when things aren't going great and it's you know obviously a technology world that we all live in um there's three magic buttons to getting things fixed but they all have to be pressed at the same time and that's control alt and delete it restarts it that's what we talked about this morning about restarting so if you just hit one like so so of the coaches type like this. One at a time, it doesn't work. All three have to be hit at the same time. Like kind of offense and defense and special teams. That's pretty creative. That might be the best t-shirt I've ever come up with. So hopefully we hit them all at the same time this week and we prepare and then we mature and figure out that just because you prepare doesn't mean you're going to win. You have to go out and compete and make it happen on Saturdays and we're just not getting that at a consistent level right now. So that's what we're hoping to do this week in our preparation and then get ready to go play a great team on Saturday and compete.
0: Fitzgerald was asked, if he's seen any improvement in his offense that would give him optimism for the balance of this
4: season. I guess it's three weeks ago now in the bye against Nebraska. I saw some improvement, absolutely. I thought we were throwing it on time. I thought we were catching the ball pretty well. We made some good plays. And on Saturday, we had some inopportune drops. We had some, I thought our line protection was outstanding and I thought our protection plan was great. I mean, two, it had a party in everybody else's backfield um, against everybody else that he, that he played against. And uh, we had a one-man, you know, got beat. And it happens, but we should have gotten the ball out of our hands. It was a three-step play, the second play of the game, uh, and we didn't. But outside of that, I thought our protection plan was really good in the O-line. We had some issues at some other positions that led to a little bit of push on some plays that I think our timing would have been better if we didn't have that. And then we had some un- inopportune drops and we missed the one, the one throw, and we had JJ open. So you know, we, we've got a lot, a lot of room for improvement there. And you know, I know that those guys are working hard. I mean, our receivers are really frustrated. We're not getting them the ball. I would be too if I were them. But they've got to use that frustration is motivation our quarterbacks have got to get it out of their hands when we've got some things that are there for them and then there's times when you know we were covered Saturday I mean they're really good they've got all five of those DBs that are on the field for them and then the five guys they put in after they went out all 10 will be drafted uh and and they played really well and they played clean and you just tip your hat I mean a group in Columbus has played clean in every game and that's a great credit to them that's why you know if I had a ballot I'd vote them number one in the country right now nobody's playing cleaner you know they're the best team in the country right now and they're playing that way too they're that way, they're playing that way, they're executing that way, and obviously they're incredibly talented and deep. So I'm not going to overanalyze the last game, but I thought two games ago, I thought we were hitting a pretty positive stride.
0: And Pat Fitzgerald was asked if it's any easier to get up for Iowa, since Northwestern appears
4: to regard the Hawkeyes as one of its main rivals. It, it doesn't make it any easier. You know, another top 20 ranked team in the country uh, with one of the best defenses in the country. A team that uh, has battled through a bunch of injuries, as you've seen some of their guys have to step up on tape, has been really impressive uh, to look at their depth. They've got a senior quarterback who's won a ton of games there, very veteran, uh, group of old linemen. You know, it's, it's an outstanding football team. So, you know... I wish I had time right now with this year's team for me to look a lot at what our opponent is. We, we don't have that right now. We don't have that luxury. We're trying to get our guys to trust what we're doing during the week and, and execute fundamentally first and then conceptually second, especially on offense right now. And uh, we just got we got half the season left, and we're going to work relentlessly to get it done in a positive fashion.
3: Visit HawkeyesMike.com and check the links for up-to-date
0: information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Medium and Twitter.
1: throw the receiver screen the other way and dancing down inside the ten, Ahmad Anderson. The ball stripped out at the tail end of the play and the Uh, They're gonna have to look at this. Uh, It looked like he was down. Beth. The ruling on the field is a fumble and a recovery for Iowa. Geno Stone with the strip of Ahmad Anderson and the recovery by Matt Hankins and under review, the play stands. The call stands. So it's Iowa football and a red zone turnover for Purdue.
0: Time now for our reporters' notebook feature this week with Steve Batterson. You can read Steve's articles in the Quad City Times and online at qctimes.com. You. You can also follow Steve on Twitter at sbat79. Steve reflects on Iowa's 26-20 homecoming win over Purdue, and he previews the matchups in this Saturday's game, Iowa-Northwestern in Evanston. Steve Batterson's back with us. Reporter's Notebook feature, Iowa at Northwestern in a Big Ten West contest. Very important game for the Hawkeyes, but before we go to that Hawkeyes-Wildcats matchup, Steve, your reflections on Iowa getting back on the winning track, topping Purdue last week at Kinnick on a homecoming.
5: And that was the big thing, to get back on the winning track, you know, after back-to-back losses to two pretty solid teams in Michigan and Penn State to, to be able to to find a way to win a football game. That topped anything else that I was going to accomplish on Saturday at Kinnick. And, and uh, you know, it, it took four quarters to do it, but they, they found a way to win uh, against a Purdue team that, uh, you know, is dealing with some injuries, has some awfully young players uh, on the field, but uh, showed a lot of young talent as well. Uh, The Boilermakers are going to be a team that uh, folks in the West are going to have to deal with here for a few years. But, uh, you know, certainly, uh, you know, the Hawkeyes' ability to kind of get a lead. And maintain it, uh, you know, even if it was field goals, but with, with uh, you know some more terrific performances by, by Keith Duncan to kind of get that lead, and then to finish it off with a couple of rushing touchdowns in the second half. At, uh, you know, that was a big step for Iowa, and I, I think you know it, it's not necessarily, uh, you know, it certainly is not going to be the most memorable rushing performance of the season. But you know, Iowa got back over a hundred yards again. Uh, it took a couple of, of, of good, solid runs by Mackay Sargent on a quick drive after uh, Purdue had pulled within six in the fourth quarter to do it. But, uh, you know, some positives to build around. And I think that's, uh, you know, the big thing that Iowa was looking to get out of there with besides the the victory.
0: Ever since the clock ticked down the final seconds in the Penn State game, Kirk and the players talked all week last week about finishing drives on the offensive side of the ball. And, And yet you saw in the first half of that Purdue game, the same problem they've had had. You know, they, they dominate in time of possession, almost a 10-minute margin, plus margin in time of possession, and, you know, they're getting a lot of, uh, they're racking up a fair number of total offensive yards, but yet they're ending up with field goals, and like you said, they got back on track a little bit in the second half, but that'll be something to really keep an eye on this week, and let's turn to the Iowa-Northwestern game. You've got Northwestern having won three in a row over the Hawkeyes, including two games at Kinnick, but that's by a combined 18 points the Hawkeyes come into this five and two and two and two Northwestern has won just one game all year they're one and five and they're winless in the Big Ten and uh, let's go to the matchups with Iowa's offense versus Northwestern's defense both teams Iowa and the Wildcats have pretty solid defenses I think Iowa's the better one but again given Iowa's offensive struggles you've got a this will be a test against Northwestern's defense
5: many of the same challenges that were there a week ago Thank you remain uh you know can Iowa finally find a way to kind of punch some something through when they get into the red zone they're putting points on the board when they get there they've they've done that all season long but it, it's time to start trading those field goals for touchdowns and you know even Pete Duncan said following last Saturday's game that you know he, he wouldn't mind kicking a few more extra points and you know uh, the you know the objective of the game is is to find a way into that end zone and you know it, it's a rushing attack that uh you know, went from averaging um, you know about two two point eight yards per carry in the first half against Purdue to, to carrying for over five four yards per carry in the second half, and you know, there, so there may be a little progress there. And I think some of that is the cohesion that they're looking for on the offensive line, and and you know, how quickly can you get that within the structure of, of a single game against whatever defense you might be being faced. Uh, with a, in a given week, and you know that becomes uh, the problem. It's uh, it's an offensive line that, that, at least on on paper, looks like it's going to be the same collection of starters for for the uh, third time in a, in a row, which that, that's uh, something that hasn't happened for Iowa this season uh, uh, with five combinations through six games. And uh, you know if they can develop some some cohesion up front, does that open some some gaps for for Sargent and Young and Goodson to kind of do what uh, they've shown they're capable of doing, but just haven't had the consistency for, for a variety of reasons. And, and some of that falls on the, uh, the O line, and some of that falls on, on the backs, and, and uh, you know, just the collective blocking that uh, Iowa's receivers are required to do. And, uh, you know, and speaking of receivers, obviously a transition going on there with, with the loss of Brandon Smith to an injury. And, you know, so those moving parts kind of continue uh, within the structure of the Iowa offense. And, you know, how does that impact things? That'll be a a thing to keep an eye on throughout Saturday's game.
0: Yeah, we'll talk more about Duncan when we spend a couple of minutes on special teams here in a bit. But, you know, it's sort of one of those or two of these stats that really kind of cut both ways. Keith Duncan leads the nation right now in field goals per game, first in the Big Ten, first in the FBS. He's second in the Big Ten and 10th in the nation in scoring 9.6 points a game. Now, I don't think you want your field goal kicker necessarily to be your leading scorer?
5: Ideally, no, uh, but right now in the Big Ten, the, the only player who has more points than he does is, is Jonathan Taylor of Wisconsin, and that, that's another problem for another week for Iowa. But, but uh, yeah, it, you know, thankfully Keith Duncan has been in a position to to score at the rate that he has, but, uh, you know, Iowa has rushed for nine nine touchdowns this season, and it, it's been seven different guys that have done it. Sargent is the only running back or any, any offensive player at all but it's managed to carry the ball into the end zone more than once he has three rushing scores nobody else has more than one yeah, that's uh, that's kind of a, a reflection of, of where this Iowa team is at and six of the six of those nine rushing touchdowns have come on plays from the two yard line or or inside the two, so I mean it's not a team that's been able to kind of you know bust open on a regular basis for for you know a, a lengthy touchdown run or or even uh, even kind of a, a moderate touchdown run. It's it's been a, it's been a struggle for Iowa offensively, and you know can can they do that against uh, you know a Northwestern team that has some veteran pieces on, on defense? Uh, that'll be part of the test this week. The
0: you know a lot of discussion about Iowa's failure to have a 100-yard rusher yet this season, and they have had their struggles, obviously, but there's been two or three games where they could have had a 100-yard rusher if they had let, for example, Mackay Sargent stay in and maybe run one more play or two more uh, plays. You know, at least the three main running backs, Sargent, Young, and Goodson, are averaging nearly 141 yards rushing per game.
5: And that's that's been the good part of that equation uh, they've been able to kind of mix and match backs and it, it sounds like that's what's going to continue they seem to feel like they're uh, you know each each brings a little something different to the table and uh, it's also creating some uh, additional work for defenses to have to prepare for those those little wrinkles that each brings to the table so you know from that standpoint it, it's something that has worked well for, for Iowa this year and, and it is uh, you know it's a, it's a three-headed beast back there and you know at this at this time a year ago, Iowa was looking for its first 100-yard rusher of the season. Then as well, but uh, uh, it's a little different deal this year. I think Iowa's ground game is is uh, uh, you know it, with Sergeant and Young and Goodson, I think it's it's an effective collection of backs. And and uh, you know for the most part, they're averaging four yards a carry, which uh, is serviceable, but certainly not the goal. And uh, it, it's uh, you know we've seen the last couple of weeks, uh, uh, it's been a struggle against Big Ten defenses, and, and the ability to kind of figure that out here over the last half of the season is going to be pretty important in terms of where I was at when uh, when everything is said and done.
0: Nate Stanley had a pretty solid game last week. Again, didn't throw any TDs. He threw the one pick, but he completed 23 of 33 for 260 yards. And The next touchdown pass he throws, he'll become second all-time in program history, passing Drew Tate.
5: He, he's at 62% on the completion rate for the year. That's up about 4 or 5%. Spent over a year ago, and that's uh, you know that's a good that's good progress and good growth from uh, from a senior quarterback who's uh, who for the most part has been playing like a senior quarterback. He's done a decent job of leading this offense, and, and uh, he's had a lot of things thrown at him with uh, with the injuries that I always had at a number of positions. That uh, he uh, you know for uh, you know lack of a better term, he he has been you know the the veteran guy that that you need at the controls of, uh, of the ship, and and. Uh, so far you know it's led i to five wins and a, and a couple of close losses so the
0: hawkeyes have nine rushing touchdowns they have nine receiving touchdowns let's talk you mentioned brandon smith being out and that's a big loss because he's been really really good and getting better in every game now there's some juggling and some switching going on maybe slightly different positions you know it's going to be up to smith Marset, who's also been terrific reganey tyrone tracy some focus early on at kirk's press conference on tuesday with with Smith out, Why wasn't Oliver Martin on the two deeps?
5: And I think the main answer there is that calvin Lockett has has, been around for another year. Uh, um, You know, I think as you look at Iowa's depth chart at the receiver positions, uh, they're guys who have been in the system for two to three years. Uh, Lockett is a a redshirt freshman. Nate Stanley uh, spoke to his abilities uh, uh, the other day as well and and feels good about uh, Calvin's potential and and what he sees there. Uh, You know, I, I think the thing that people forget with Oliver Martin is, I mean, he's had an Iowa playbook for about four and a half months now. These other guys have been had it in their hands for two to three years, and uh, you know they're just a little more. It's, it comes a little more naturally for those guys just from the experience they've had. And um, you know Oliver is is working out primarily at the Z position, which is is the position opposite of what Brandon Smith plays. Whereas you know Lockett apparently has been working out at that spot, and that's that's why he and, and Tyrone Tracy both moved up on the depth chart. Uh, Kirk alluded to uh, during his news conference on Tuesday that if, if um, you know, there was a need to... Uh Tracy out of the game for some reason, that, that Smith-Marset would probably be the most likely guy to, to shift over to that side of the field. Uh, he's kind of interchangeable at both spots. That would move other guys up, including Oliver Martin, who, who uh, Kirk said will be in the mix this week and is, is certainly getting more reps. And, you know, somebody is going to have to step up and, and kind of fill, you know, <laughs> fill the success that Brandon Smith's been having lately. I mean, he, he was hurt at the end of a nine reception game. He, he caught the ball fairly well the previous week as well against Penn State. And, uh, you know, this is a kid that's been getting better throughout the season and a third-year guy that, uh, you, you know, having, you would hope to see that kind of growth from a, from a receiver. And, and uh, he, uh, he delivered uh, before, before he went down. And it uh, looks like he's going to be out from three to five weeks is what Kirk estimated uh, Tuesday with a, a lower right leg injury of some sort and uh, that uh, apparently was a little worse than maybe what they initially thought. And so other guys, you know, this it's going to be up to, to Reganey and Tracy and, and Smith-Marset and, and whether it be Lockett, who, who hasn't caught a pass all season, perhaps Oliver Martin, perhaps uh, tight ends, uh, perhaps running back. Somebody's going to have to step up and, and kind of uh, fill those shoes in, in, in the passing game. And, uh, you know, the passing game has been Iowa's bread and butter so far this season, and, and it's going to need to continue to be there because there's still a string of solid rushing defenses that are kind of out there uh, waiting in the wings as as iowa moves deeper into the schedule yeah i
0: think the thing that fans are wondering you had oliver martin was a starting wide receiver for michigan and now he's not even on the depth chart even after smith goes down and on monday when i tweeted out the uh updated depth chart for the northwestern game within two minutes i had several responses on twitter saying where's oliver martin so we'll see if that question gets answered the other thing you mentioned earlier uh, which i think is important to go back to and that's the offensive Line and while yes, the starters listed are the same as last week. You saw how quickly one of those guards got pulled in that game, and and didn't see much PT after that. And that's one of the uh, twins. And it does look like Brian Ferentz is going to go with the two younger, the two the true freshmen in Brit and the redshirt freshman in, in at the uh, at the guard positions here, maybe
5: here on out. It uh, looks like we uh, the, they used four guards last week in the first path, and uh, there's some experimentation going on there. Um, I I think that Uh, um, you know they're looking for that consistency they're looking for for the cohesion that that has to be there for an offensive line to be effective and and, uh, you know I I think that search is probably going to be ongoing I'm just not sure that you know that whether it be Justin Britt who who has done some terrific things as a a freshman or or Cody Ince a redshirt freshman who's amongst a number of redshirt freshmen within the offensive Line group right now that uh, uh, you know they're all getting a look and and it's going to come down to consistency of performance uh, within games and whoever performs I think is going to be out there and, and if you don't I think there will be a fairly quick hook particularly at the guard spots where Rylan has struggled a little bit and and uh, it will be interesting to kind of see how that evolves over the next few weeks but uh, you know certainly they're searching for some consistency there consistency not only in in who's out there but uh, certainly in in uh, uh, how successful they are once they are on the field.
0: Yeah, Kellenberger's done okay at the right guard. It's the, uh, you know, you can't afford, you saw in the Penn State game, it, it even made Linderbaum look bad at center because the the other guard position was like a, a, a rotating turnstile.
5: Yeah, and, and, and that's just the one thing that, you know, you, you can rotate running backs to a degree, you can rotate receivers, but, you know, when you start rotating alignment on a, on a regular basis, you're, you're playing with fire a lot of times, and, and uh, it's uh, the, the rotation that we've seen all season a lot of that has become, been because of Iowa's youth in a lot of areas as, as well as injuries and it's, it's been a, a tough nut for these guys to crack at this point the consistency just hasn't been what it needs to be to, to be a top level offensive lineman, uh, line and that is something certainly that we've come to expect from Iowa over the years but right now the personnel in many ways especially on the interior of that line it's just not experienced enough yet to have have the kind of consistency that it takes to compete at a, an exceptionally high level.
0: The one thing Northwestern has been reasonably consistent with this season is their defense, and they've had the capability and have shown it in most of their games of putting pressure on opposing quarterbacks. They've got a, a really good defensive end in, in Joe Gaziano. They've got you know a linebacker group that in the past uh, couple of years has given Iowa problems, including Patty Fisher, who I think this is his eighth year in the program.
5: At least. He's yeah. on the just side. Plan. <laughs> they've
0: got 32 tackles for loss. They've got 12 sacks. They've got 10 quarterback hurries. So that's 54 on the season, and um, that's a little bit less than Iowa. But you know that defense has spent a lot of time on the field, given Northwestern's offensive
5: struggles. Uh, a group that was expected to be kind of the strength of that football team, and, and it has been for the most part. But uh, you're, they, they've been worked a lot, and uh, you know Blake Gallagher's and another guy in that linebacker group that's pretty. Good. Uh, uh, they've got the potential to create a lot of issues. Uh, you know, Gaziano and and Chris Bergen uh, up front have have um, created some problems. You take a look at Alex Miller on the on the defensive line is is a fairly veteran guy as well. They've they've been you know they've been uh, putting a ton of pressure on folks, and you know that allowed them to keep uh, hang with Wisconsin for a while. Uh, you know they're they're built a lot in the same style uh, defensively as, as as an Iowa and as a, as a Wisconsin they they're they're an aggressive type defense when they have the experience uh, you know Northwestern's been able to, to d it up with anybody in this league and, and uh, this group was expected to be a uh, you know a solid group the one thing that hasn't happened for them is that the offense has been so inept at, at, at scoring points and, and moving the football that uh, these guys have spent a lot of time on the field and you know over the Course of a game, they they've worn down a few times, and and uh, you know last weekend Ohio State just kind of picked them apart.
0: Yeah, they got a nice cornerback in Greg Newsom, the second he's got nine pass breakups. But the Wildcats as a whole only have two interceptions. And as Monday press conference, Pat Fitzgerald spent quite a bit of time talking about how they need to really improve. Well, they need to improve in all three areas. But he talked about their turnover margin. They're minus six so far this
5: season. It, it was a talk that was eerily similar to to some of the words we were hearing out of Iowa folks the previous week about how the turnover margin numbers needed to kind of tilt back in the other direction and yeah Northwestern's turned the ball over 14 times on offense this season and it hasn't been real productive in terms of creating turnovers uh, the, the two interceptions as you mentioned uh, they, they've uh, recovered uh, six fumbles so it, it's a group that has spent most of its time just trying to stop the other opponent and hasn't exactly been able to, to create turnovers which has been a real hallmark of, of what Pat Fitzgerald's defenses have been about in past years. They've been able to create some issues for opponents uh, based on turning people over and, that, that, and it, while taking care of the ball. And that part of the equation is something that they've got to get cleaned up on offense, but, but uh, the lack of, of, of any sort of a margin, they're 13th right now in the Big Ten in, in turnover margin, it, it, it's been impacting the outcome of games.
0: So a little symmetry here. Iowa's offense is averaging 25.0 points per game. Northwestern's defense is giving up an average of 25.2 points per game. So who has the edge here, Iowa's offense versus Northwestern's defense?
5: I guess we have to figure that Iowa's going to score 25 points then, right? But uh, I I think... (laughs) I think that does give Iowa an edge. I think Iowa is, you know, hot and cold as the Iowa offense has been at times. I, I, I do think that. Uh... I think the points will be hard to come by this week for Iowa again. Uh, it's another matchup against a fairly solid, stout defensive front that is built to stop the run, and and uh, Nate Stanley will need to get the passing game kind of figured out with its uh, its changes this week. And if that happens, I think Iowa will have a chance to have have an edge on that side of the ball.
0: Okay, let's turn to the matchup between Iowa's defense and Northwestern's offense. Uh, Northwestern is averaging 12.5 points per game. And that is 128th out of 130 FBS teams.
5: Been a, uh, a, a an endeavor, to say the least, to, to find the end zone if you're Northwestern, and and that's been a that's been a constant going back, you know, throughout. Throughout the whole season, I mean, they scored seven points in their opener against Stanford. And you know, they've seen some good defenses. They've, you know, they played Michigan State, scored ten. They played Wisconsin, scored fifteen. Scored ten and lost on a last-second field goal at Nebraska. And then last week played Ohio State, and it wasn't very good from the start. And uh, it didn't get much better when it was over. But uh, you know, it's it's, this is a Northwestern offense that uh, has been without. It's top returning running back Isaiah Bowser throughout much of the season. Uh, they thought they had a, a starting quarterback in, in Clemson transfer Hunter Johnson. We've seen uh, inconsistency from the start from him. Uh, they've turned to Aiden Smith at times, a junior who's been around for a couple of years. He struggled. Both of those guys have combined to complete forty-seven percent of the passes that they've attempted. So it's been a it's been a real issue to move the football for Northwestern. In The numbers that they're putting up, are in within the Big Ten, only Rutgers, uh, which is a miserable football team, uh, even is anywhere close to what uh, to what the Wildcats have been able to get done on offense. And and, uh, Bowser is back from his injury. I guess if there's good news for Northwestern, that's it. Uh, Drake Anderson is a kid who's leading them in rushing right now, and he's at 67 and a half yards a game, which is fairly respectable. But uh, you know, for Northwestern to be successful, especially with a Passing game that's that's been as poor as, as their passing game has been. They've got to find a way to to average a, a little better than uh, than the the three three and change that they're averaging per carry right now.
0: Yeah, Aiden Smith has started the last three games at quarterback after Hunter Johnson uh, Green went down at that position. Smith has thrown five picks, Johnson four. That's ten interceptions. They've got two passing touchdowns. They have eight touchdowns all season long.
5: Yeah, it, it's been. You know, it's been a combination of playing extremely good defenses and and extremely bad offense, and and that's that's not a good combination for anybody. Uh, you know, certainly this is a team that probably needed to get off to a faster start, and uh, there were some expectations of, of placed on Hunter Johnson coming in uh, a, a year ago. He, he'd been with the program for a while and went to spring ball and such, but the consistency just just never materialized. And and uh, you know they, they're they're at the midpoint of their season at one and five They still have a non-conference game left against Matt UMass coming up here next month. But um, it, it's, uh, you know, if things are going to turn around, they're going to have to turn around pretty quickly. And so far, there haven't been many signs of that happening, especially with the way Ohio State just dismantled them last week.
0: Yeah, they have, um, they're only averaging 124 passing yards per game. I, you know, without going back and looking in the record books, I think it's been a while, especially uh, the last two coaches at Northwestern since they're that kind of passing yardage, sitting here halfway through the season. On Iowa's uh, defense, just when the defensive secondary gets most of its parts back and becomes healthy, it looks like Christian Welch, Iowa's starting the middle linebacker, is going to miss a second game. Uh, But they've had some other folks step up so far this season and look pretty solid. Jack Kerner, Colbert, but one of the real stars that's emerging here is Gino Stone.
5: Uh, No question. Uh, You know, Gino is, uh, you know, Expected to be kind of the leader in, of the back end of the defense this year, and especially uh, you know, losing uh, Hooker and, and Gervais, and uh, he has he has stepped up and, and and been the kind of performer that you know you would expect a uh, a veteran guy to kind of kind of be. He's he's uh, forced a couple fumbles, he's intercepted a pass. He, he's disappointed he hasn't intercepted more passes. He just seems to be in the middle of everything back there, and and uh, you know in a good way. I mean, it's not. That he's trying to you know do too much. He's trying to do what his responsibilities are and create some havoc back there. And and uh, you know that that that's allowed Iowa to to be uh, the kind of defensive unit that they've been. You have a couple of, of young guys and a redshirt freshman in, in Dylan Doyle and, and a true freshman in Jack Campbell who who are going to be uh, kind of sharing the load in the middle of that defense at middle linebacker for the second straight game and in, in, in Christian Welch's absence. And, um, you know, both of those guys performed admirably last week. And Kirk kind of alluded to on, on Tuesday that, uh, you know, uh, he felt that by sharing the position the way they did, it kind of took pressure off of both of those guys. And that was one of the things that Dylan Doyle talked a little bit about on on Saturday was he thought it was a situation where they both kind of helped each other get through it. And, and uh, you know, I think that uh, it certainly, you know, seemed to, to be a fairly effective way of dealing with the, another injury situation on defense at uh, for Iowa and, and the results have continued to be good team defense uh, you know they're keeping people off the scoreboard and, and uh, uh, that 11.6 points per game right now is is uh, you know that's a pretty impressive number and uh, you have to go back a long ways in the Iowa record book to, to find a team that allowed fewer per game and, and uh, this is a, a Hawkeye team that uh, you know if they can continue to do that and the offense can continue to generate something. um, They've got a chance to continue to win a lot of football games.
0: We've talked about it almost every week, but the opposing offenses are really uh, ganging up on AJ Epinesa and holding his tackling numbers down, but he still has three tackles for loss, three sacks and eight quarterback hurries. One of the beneficiaries of uh, Epinesa having two and sometimes three people on him is Chauncey Golston, who's putting up some really nice numbers.
5: Yeah. And I, You know, I think we kind of expected Chauncey to be in a position to, to see a lot of action as, as people kind of doubled and triple teamed AJ uh, you know you're, the natural flow of things is going to be the other end of that line and, and Chauncey is uh, uh, kind of built off of a, of a solid finish to to uh, last season you know he, he's got uh, five tackles for a loss a couple of sacks six quarterback hurries so you know he, he's creating his own kind of havoc up front on the other side And you know while AJ Epinesa's numbers might not be where they were Year ago, he's still impacting the game in a, in a lot of ways, and and uh, you know whether it be just just from uh, you know those, those few opportunities he gets to to chase down a quarterback or or uh, you know impact a, a play or simply by the the traffic that he's sending over for for Chauncey to take care of, and it, it's been it's been an interesting and, an, and a fairly productive front four, and it's a front four that's starting to show some depth uh, development, uh, Jack Wagoner or excuse me John Wagoner uh, had his first career tackle uh, last week in in the Purdue game and uh, Richard Freshman out, out of Dowling and and you know a, a kid with a bright future as well so it's been a it's been a, a situation where I was starting to get back to that kind of rotation that they like but uh, certainly Epinesa has been the anchor up front.
0: Last weekend against Purdue with the defensive secondary more healthy than it's been almost since the start of the season you saw Phil Parker and Employing a little bit more of the four-two-five, the nickel. You saw some cash. I would expect probably Iowa won't have to go to that very much this week, given what's going on with Northwestern's offense, especially its passing game struggles.
5: Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I, I think probably the four-three is is probably where Iowa is at. But you know, they certainly now know that they can do it. I think they were certainly satisfied with uh, with the play of Dame Belton on the back end uh, last week. Another true freshman kind of stepping up and. And, and you know, elevating his role within within what I was trying to do. And you know, the good thing is that when Iowa does get into into those passing situations, they can slip into the four two five and 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 certainly uh, you know do some do some damage that way. You know, this is a, a Northwestern team that probably will you know try to run the ball as effectively as they can, and and uh, probably the most effective way to deal with that is is, is to start with that four three and, and see where that leads you and. Uh, and the good news is Iowa is is healthier. I mean, Matt Hankins is is back. Uh, Riley Moss uh, is coming off of a, a very solid game against Purdue that that uh, saw him get a pick and maybe a little bit of a revenge after being picked on by the Boilermakers last year. And, and you know, those are those are the kinds of things that uh, will help Iowa down the road. And the healthier that this defense can get, uh, the more experience some of those younger guys are getting, and it, it's all kind of you know working together to to uh, you know put the pieces in place for for uh, a pretty special unit.
0: Last point here on Iowa's defense you alluded to it earlier Kirk's hoping to get uh, more turnovers out of his defense and the turnover margin for the Hawkeyes you know this far into the season is just plus one after it was pretty exceptional um, the last couple of years and he he was asked to An interesting question and gave kind of an interesting answer Tuesday, which was how do you coach getting more turnovers?
5: Yeah, and, you know, the answer is you really can't coach because talk it, uh, but at some point guys have to to do it and uh, you know some of that is just being in the right place at the right time, being aggressive and, and relying on on your fundamentals and and your skill and and uh, taking advantage of an opportunity when it's there not not simply going out seeking that turnover, but when you're in a position to make a play when you're in a position to maybe strip the ball make the tackle first, then look for the strip to see if you can get the ball out of the guy's hands and, and create the, the mistake. And, uh, uh, you know, if Iowa can do that a few times against uh, a Northwestern offense that's been pretty mistake prone, uh, it certainly will help the, the Hawkeyes this week.
0: So Northwestern is averaging 12.5 points per game. Iowa's defense is giving up 11.6. Who has the edge in this matchup?
5: Northwestern is also averaging 3.8 yards per play, which is, is about three yards fewer than what Iowa averages. So uh, the, the advantage here is, is with the Iowa defense. Uh, Northwestern's offense has been sporadic at best, and and uh, I think this is a, an area where Iowa can really uh, exploit things on Saturday. Quick look at
0: special teams. We already talked about Keith Duncan, who's still perfect on PATs. And kickers do rack up a lot of points, you know, between field goals and PATs. I, but again, back to our earlier point, I think they like some more PATs and maybe some field Fewer field goals, but punting still reasonably decent. Sleep Dalton had an issue uh again the last couple of weeks, but he's still averaging over forty-two yards a kick. I thought the interesting development last week, and we actually talked about that on last week's show, was Scott doctorman It looks like i was going to have a different punt returner as the primary man back there on punts, and looks like Geno Stone and Max Cooper is going to be the other guy.
5: It certainly sort of looks like that. So that change has been made. It's it's reflected in the depth chart again this this. Week. Week and I, you know, I think I was looking for first, as always, to secure the football, and that means catching it as opposed to letting it bounce. And and uh, you know, I I think that they're just more comfortable with those guys, uh, a couple of guys that have been around for a couple of years as well. And uh, I think that's uh, at least for now, until that's where where things are at. And we'll see if you know if eventually that can uh, can lead to a few more yards on returns down the road. Uh, you know, Max caught one the other day in the return is two yards so that's uh and, and Gino had one for an eight yard return so you know we'll, we'll see where that leads and and uh you know every, every as they like to say every position is is a competitive one and and uh, what they see in practice is going to lead to who's out there on Saturdays so but yeah I think there certainly has been a, a change made at, at this point and we'll see moving forward
0: yeah you could just tell Gino looks he looks more aggressive when he's he looks like he's looking to try to get some kind of a return when he's fielding those punts and you know to your point on the depth chart I a feeling like the backup punt returner still listed as Nico is sort of like the uh, starting left guard still listed as Landon Paulson. Just a thought.
5: Yeah, I think you're onto something there. Yeah. All
0: right. So let's turn to your prediction here. It's an important game for Iowa because if Iowa can win out, it only takes, you know, it, it looks like certainly Wisconsin is a huge underdog at Columbus this weekend. And Minnesota has yet to play Penn State, Wisconsin and Iowa. So this is an important game for the Hawkeyes. What's your pick here?
5: Yeah, it certainly is an important game for the Hawkeyes. And I want to kind of open the door a little bit. To uh, you know, to Iowa, kind of reigniting its, its hopes in terms of winning a division title, and uh, you know, the thing the thing of it is, right now is pretty much, with the exception of, uh, of somebody else having to to uh, to beat Minnesota, which has a very challenging November schedule after dealing with Maryland this weekend. You know, it's a situation where Iowa controls its own destiny again. They still have to play both the Badgers and and and, and the Gophers, and it's a it's a it falls into that must win category against an opponent that has beaten Iowa the last three years. So, uh, you know, I think this will be a typical Iowa-Northwestern game. It's going to be a grinded out kind of affair. That's kind of what both teams like and it's uh, probably not going to be much to look at, especially given, uh, you know, the ineptitude of, of Northwestern's passing game. So, you know, I, I think it'll be a, an Iowa win. I, I think uh, I'm not sure they get to that 25 points. They may, uh, but uh, let's, let's go... Uh, Let's go 22 to, uh, to 10. I think that would be a comfortable zone for for uh, a win in Evanston, and I think it's certainly something the Hawkeyes would take heading into a bye week, which will uh, maybe give a few of those injuries a chance to heal up.
3: Yeah, hope you're all happy now. Good guy wins, bad guy loses. Big friggin' surprise. I love happy endings.
1: Hawkeyes, barring an incident here, able to get the job done and end the two-game skid to beat Purdue. They'll approve to 5-2. Boilermakers will drop to 2-5. 26-20, the final. The Boilermakers made things interesting late, but Iowa holds on. Today at Kinnick Stadium, 26-20, the final Iowa over Purdue.
0: Our thanks again to ESPN2 for the Iowa-Purdue game highlights. And thanks, as always, to Steve Batterson and John Bonencamp. We hope you've enjoyed this program. All Hawkeyes Mike podcasts are available and can be subscribed to on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher. HawkeyesMike.com, podcasting original programming on Iowa athletics for 13 seasons. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices.
2: Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really, a lot of hustle. I liked it.
0: This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.